Someone tell me it's all happening at the zoo. Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theater masters, founders, and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott. Well, Today's guest is a woman that makes me laugh, and I'm sure she might make you laugh as well. It's Brenna Judkins, hailing from San Diego, but originally from Akron, Ohio. Hello there, Brenna. Hi. Hello. Hello. That is true. I do hail from the the distant land of Akron. So when did you start (laughs) improv, and was it in Akron, which is a thriving community of improvisers, I'm sure? It it might be. I would be interested to go back there and find out if, if there's an improv scene there. Um, I started improv in 2019. It has not been that long. Well, May I of 2019. Saw, I saw you doing an, uh, kind of an endorsement for the first studio you were with, I think. Um, yeah. Something? something um yeah it's called fci that was lovely that was tremendous i hope it helped them as well as you it was wonderful so um i just want to go back to akron because a lot of 12-step people know akron because it's the birthplace of alcoholics anonymous and some people (laughs) some people that go there it's the shrine of aa and uh it was at the mabel dodge estate i don't know if you ever went there at all on your travels the Firestone Tire people. Where I am familiar with the Firestone Tire Company, and then um, there's a there's a middle school there called Firestone Middle School, named after that. And is is that where you went? No, I didn't. I wasn't. I was not in the rich enough of Akron to go to Firestone. Um, I went to the middle school on the. Um, harsher side of the tracks (laughs) all right so this whole segue has been about nothing relevant to you Brenda that's what makes me a really great interviewer because I talk about things that have no relation at all to my guests okay you know what though you know what though my grandpa worked for Ford um for most of his life like Akron and Cleveland that whole area was very much a part of um like the rust belt making cars and automotive accoutrement you speak french as well that's lovely accoutrement <laughs> i'm sorry i interrupted you no it's okay <laughs> um yeah so so he worked for ford and then i think my uncle worked for goodyear for a while so it's it's that whole it's a very big part of that area's economy still well, I don't know if you know that I'm a therapist, so let's talk about your childhood first, because you're already okay. indicating uh, some things. And I know I've heard you talk about having agoraphobia. So mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit about that, because that's a horrible illness. I've had patients where I just go to their home because they can't come out. 
they, they really feel like it just can't step out. So could you address that a little bit and then maybe we'll segue into how improv helped? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, like improv has everything to do with the fact that I function um, as a as an individual human being now. Um, I went through a really hard divorce um, in God, what was it? Like, I want to say like 2016, maybe 15. Um, try to pluck these things out of my memory now. <laughs> Um, but I had, I, I got, I think a lot of people probably identify with the feeling of, um, not having their own identity possibly in a marriage or in a partnership. Um, and I very much became, um, just, I just sort of like drifted around. I just sort of accepted kind of the situation I was in for a long time. Um, and then when I finally came out of it, I found it very hard to function. I found it very hard to be around people. I found it very hard to be out in public. Um, I just found it very hard to feel safe. Um, Open spaces and group of people would terrify the crap out of me. Like, it would just be like, anything could happen. What could happen? I don't know. I'd rather be in bed basically. Um, and, and it to a point where when I was talking to my psychiatrist and she was like, you know, it might help to do exposure therapy. You might want, let's, let's think of something that you can do that you can do semi, semi regularly it's the same place. It's the same thing, possibly the same people. And we'll just repeat that. And I was like, okay, well, what could I do? What if I was, if I was going to take a big risk, basically, what would I do? What have I always wanted to do? And I think for some people that's skydiving and for some people that's, you know, I, I don't know what it is, bigger things, but like for me, it was improv. I was like, I've always wanted to do that. That that <laughs> how big of a nerd I am is that 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 was like the attractive <laughs> like, thing. Like, oh my god, if I had to choose one thing, I would do improv. Like, but it is true. Like, I think I laugh about myself now, but like, it is true. Like, I'm I'm glad that I did because now that I know improv as as an art form not like I know all of it but like I'm acquainted with it like it's it's someone I'm familiar with like like I can't see how I could have picked anything else more perfect had you done drama or acting in high school at all no I avoided it I was um bullied like pretty relentlessly oh my god I'm sorry no, it's okay. I mean, it. I, I I understand that kids see the other or see the weird thing and they latch onto it. Everyone needs something to sort of bounce off of to get their self-confidence when they're young like that. Um, I just happen to be the other quite often. Um, I was really, I guess I was a weird kid. Um, 
and it's interesting because in quarantine, I've had a lot of time to observe myself and to think about um, myself and like to assess things. And one of the things that I kind of came to was that I am possibly undiagnosed autism spectrum disorder. Um, because I was doing a lot of reading about it and just finding a lot of similarities, like in people talking about their experiences and not just their experiences as kids, but their experiences as adults and their experiences as undiagnosed adults. And as I start to look backwards, I go, oh. (laughs) And not to get too personal, but can you share some of the signs that you may have seen or look back at now that make you feel that way? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, I was never like aware of like how to be a girl. (laughs) Well, that's okay. Yeah. Like I know that that's like, that has a lot of different, like a lot of different, um, echoes to it, but like in relation to this specific thing, um, I was never, I was never good at like fitting in and being accepted as like one of the girls. It was always this sort of excommunication um, or this exclusion that would happen. And it would, it, it, no one could ever really give me a straight answer why. Um, and as time has gone on, I've realized it's because like, I, I, I'm too honest. Like, I, I don't understand like some of the nuances of what these people were doing in these social groups, like as kids, um, some of this, I would get really hyper fixated and I still do on like little interests and no one would have any idea what hell I was talking about. They didn't know why I liked what I liked. There nobody was like, I don't know how to relate to you about that. I don't know what you're talking about. Like <laughs> Right, right, right. And did you have difficulty assessing feelings or identifying your own feelings? I had a lot of trouble identifying my own feelings and connecting to myself for a long time. Um, and I think that one of the reasons that I've been able to um, gain uh, skill at self-assessment now is that I was so isolated as a kid. I spent a lot of time in my own head. I spent a lot of time drawing and making up worlds and, and thinking about like, why people do what they do? Why do I do what I do? Like, why did they say that? And just like spending just all this time analyzing thinking about it right so so most a lot of people know very early on their gender identity or Mm. their sexual preferences how old do you think you were when you really knew that about yourself um my, my sexuality I think I was aware of by the time I was 14 um and I quickly stomped it down Mm -hmm. um because I grew up in um, 
an environment where when I was still being parented by my mother, I had a lot of things kept internally because of what I was aware she was accepting of. Right, right, right. Um, Yeah. And she, she is somebody that I do not have contact with anymore. Um, I had to build my own personal boundaries out of that. Um, she used to say things like, uh, hate the sin and not the sinner and stuff like that. Right, right. Which is just so backhanded and gaslighty to say to someone regarding their identity. Like, ah! <laughs> but did you, tr- you try, so you tried to talk with her about it? And you were raised I by did. a single parent? Were you a single parent family? No, um, my, my parents split up when I was 17. Um, but for most of my life, my mom was like the primary parent and my dad was traveling, working and traveling quite a bit. Um, and my mom was the one who was like more in control, so to speak of everything. Um, you, you, and to that end, like you did kind of feel controlled. Right. Um, yeah. So I would like talk to my sister about stuff like that. Like my sister and I could talk to each other, but, um, but anybody else in my family, I didn't really have. So is it, um, is it fair to say you kind of squashed your sexuality for a long time then? How long did you, did you date men? What was going on then? Uh, yeah, I squashed it down. I think it was this thing where it was like, I didn't feel normal, quote unquote, with such a sort of a garbage term to me now, but I didn't feel normal um, in any other regard. And I was like, okay, this is just one more thing that's going to other me, right? Um, and I wanted so badly just to be like everybody else, just to like that thought of like, I just want to be like everybody else. I just want to feel like everybody else, but like, you're just assuming what everybody feels like in their experience. And I think the truth of that is that you just want something better. And you look at other people and you think like, well, their life is better. Like from the outside, it looks better. Um, Which is obviously not true a lot of the time, but yeah, so I, I squashed it down then because, like, at 14, I was very much aware of the fact that I was pansexual. I was like, because I, 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 and it wasn't that I had an idea of what pansexuality was. It was just from inside of me. I was like, whoever I happen to have feelings for or am attracted to or, or can build a relationship with, that's who I want to build a relationship with. I don't want to get hung up on genders and, and, you know, other stuff. I'm like, it's a person is a person and their personality and their character is what really motivates me to get to know somebody better and to want to create a connection with somebody. Um, so I was very aware of that at 14 and then squash, squash, squash it down. Um, but which also, also which also helps to create anxiety 
So you know, you're describing an isolated childhood, maybe fear of contact, and then anxiety, which leads to agoraphobia. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because if you're not going towards the things that you're sort of initially um, attracted to go towards, it's going to give you anxiety because you're constantly trying to tell yourself no. And, and then wrestling, at least for me, wrestling with like, um, like attraction to women. Like I would, I would be like, I would catch myself looking at a girl and then I would be like, no, no, no. And like that, yeah. And like that anxiety, like something is wrong with you, you know? Um, Bill. That's the internalized mother, but I won't go into too many therapy terms here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, now, do you ever play your mother when you're doing characters? No. That would feel too uncomfortable. I got it. So so um, you eventually came out. You eventually came out, right? I eventually. did. Um, I had to go through an entire marriage uh, and dating history, a, a hetero dating history, uh, to figure that out. Um, and it was one of the reasons that I got divorced is that basically I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. Um, and it's that I had to let go of the marriage to keep doing what I was doing. It was that in the marriage, I was not permitted to be myself. And so it was this really hard lesson of hearing over and over again, especially having my own child of your kid you can't be a good parent you can't be a happy person unless you let yourself do the things that make you happy unless you're being yourself like a lot of that i was going to a coming out group for a long time um through the divorce and all the time the the women in that group would just be like you know your kid's gonna be so happier and you know, have a such, have a, I have a much happier parent. If you're, if you can just be honest with yourself about this stuff and accept it and go through it. Um, and going through it is the hardest thing. And you think that you can't do it. Like you think you absolutely cannot do it. This is not for me. Other people do this. I'm not strong like that. And then you're doing it. And then, like, three years later, it's done. <laughs> but it's a process. So uh, you have a child. Mm-hmm. Boy or girl? Uh, they identify as they. Um, oh, okay. All right. How old? Their name is Charlotte. Uh, they are going to be 10. Wow. Next month. And are they the joy of your life? do they like improv as well like you do you know i have tried to do improv with them um they have always been a very imaginative and sort of a, a quirky kid um loved performing love you know making stuff up but if there's any sort of structure to it they are adverse. <laughs> They're like, oh, there's rules? No. 
<laughs> so I have gotten away with some games and stuff with them, but like as far as like organizing it into like, okay, this is how we do a scene. They're like, yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> right, right, right. So so let's talk more about your improv journey because you've really connected with so many people around the world now, as a lot of us have done during the pandemic. But let's talk about pre-pandemic. What was it like going through improv and what kind of things did you do and play with? I know you do puppetry, don't you? Um, yeah, yeah. And puppetry is, is something that I took up um, during the pandemic more, um, like more focusedly um, because it was something that I was wanting to do. And the pandemic has really just been this point in my life where I was like, Hey, those things that you want to do, you have time. The things that we can do from home, let's do them. Let's just do them. Um, let's not wait around. We're not waiting for the world to come back. We're just going to do it, uh, which is which has been a lot of, con- of where the connecting with people has come from, too, um, because I went through about like a three-month period when I first went into lockdown um, when California went into shelter in place. and. Um, It it was like three months of just not knowing what was going to happen. And then I kind of got used to that. I kind of got used to like, we don't know. Okay, we don't know. All right. And then I said, all right, well, if we don't know, and this is where we are, and, and if I'm still holding on to what my you know what I want to do and my this is my dream or whatever um (laughs) then I'm gonna do it and I was so I was trying to figure out all these all of the things that I wanted to do and the first step with that was um my friend Vanessa from here in the in the San Diego scene um was like hey I'm doing a class online uh with these people do you want to come do this class and I was like okay, I haven't really done, you know, a lot of improv for a couple of months. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, and then that really just kick-started me. It was like a really good kick in the pants. Um, and I kind of have not stopped since then. Um, but in terms of like how it was pre-pandemic to now, it's like night and day because pre-pandemic, <clears throat> I, it was still very much the world where in improv, you kind of wait for your turn. You kind of wait for, um, you know, I'm not the premier player. I haven't gotten onto a house team. Um, I haven't, uh, been cast in a show like these, these kinds of things. You're like, okay, well, if I just stick around and, and I do more and I stay involved, I'll get to do those things. Um, and then post, like in the pandemic, it's not like that. Um, it's it's this environment with a lot of people where if you want to do something, if you have an idea to do something and you can find the people to do it with you and you have the whole world at your expense now for that, you can do it. And it's so freeing. It's so freeing. I'll tell you what. Now, now I, I, I believe every improviser has a superpower. And uh, what would you consider your superpower today? Uh, I, 
I get a lot of feedback on facial expressions, um, like expressiveness. Um, and so I think that possibly that is that is one of my superpowers or is a superpower um, just because I feel like, especially on Zoom, being able to express things just through the face because um, otherwise it's just a lot of talking head a lot of the time. Um, and you're, you're kind of taking turns and letting the other person talk sometimes because of the overlap of zoom. Um, so like staying in a character expressively, uh, like, um, I get <laughs> it's fun cause it keeps me engaged, but then also I get a lot of feedback on it. Like, Oh my God, Brenna, your expressions, what are you doing? Like, I'm like, okay, well, if that's, if that, if that made you laugh then we're good. Cool. <laughs> is it safe to say you're spending more time with improv now than before the pandemic? Because it's true for me. Oh yeah, very yeah. true. I I'm doing as much improv now, I think, as I wanted to pre-pandemic. I wanted to do a lot of improv. I wanted to be involved in a lot of stuff. I wanted to I wanted to be in shows and play and I wanted to make up my own shows and I wanted to take lots and lots of classes. And now that is so much more accessible than it was before. Um, Because living in San Diego, like, you know, we have that we, we being lucky enough to be able to like go to LA on a weekend, if you wanted to and go take classes with the pack or UCB, um, when they were still around <laughs> um, and, and other places. And, and you could do that, but it would be a considerable cost to be like, okay, well, we're going to road trip. I'm going to find some people. We're probably going to have to stay up there. If we don't have anybody that lives up there that we could stay with, then we got to pay for the classes. Then we got to go do that. We're probably going to have to buy food and eat and gas and come back. Now I do, I do, I direct a show for the past. And I've not been what's to the that, What's that show called? <laughs> I direct it with my friend, um, Margaret Dillaway. Uh, it's called Disaster Time. Wow. I don't know if I have the link to that, but I'll certainly get it. Okay. Yeah. I believe I sent you the, 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 uh, the PAX Twitch, um, the, okay. the Twitch address. Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. That's beautiful. Good for you. And and is that once a week? And when is it? Is that it's LA time, I imagine. So Yeah, we're on PST or uh UTC minus eight. And we are the first Wednesday of every month at eight PM PST. We've had one show so far, um, because we're on a once a month schedule right now. We're working on either um, distributing the show more widely or getting some more airtime with the tech to do it more often. That is exciting. And I've seen you do like 10 minute treats, and you have a bucket from Disney World that you I pull do. out your um, suggestions in. I think that's really cute. I love it. <laughs> the cauldron of comments. <laughs> <laughs> the providence the cauldron of comments <laughs> oh the cauldron of comments okay that's really great and you've, you've talked with a lot of really great people i've watched some of them so during the pandemic i actually connected with a fellow named jay suko and 
And he actually recommended me to speak with you. That's how I connected. And I wonder if you've had some people that have kind of influenced, we're kind of name dropping a bit, but some people that have really influenced you that you were able to access that you couldn't access before. You know, being in Naples, Florida, pre-pandemic, I had to use Skype and other devices to take classes with people because I didn't have the funds to travel, number one. And it was just too much, you know, and I have a, I work. So um, I was studying with people um, all over in the beginning, and now it's even better. And there's some places I love to go and drop in. I haven't done it recently, but Extreme Improv is a place that I find is very much fun. What about you? Are there some places that you like to go to and play with and, and perhaps some teachers that have been important to you during this? Oh yeah. Um, I, I mean, this pandemic has been, I think, I think a lot of people will probably agree. It's been, um, life-changing for them. Life-changing can mean a lot of different things. Unfortunately, I know a lot of people have, um, dealt with hard things through it. Um, one of the bright spots though of the pandemic has been making friends um because i didn't really have a ton of friends pre-pandemic um and i've always had a very hard time making friends um so these people that i have met who are influential on me who i am about to name drop um i would consider them friends which is kind of mind-blowing to me um because I think that that before I would have this tendency to kind of look up to people and see and see that see a see a friendship or something with them as like yeah but you're below them that's that's not gonna happen um so somebody I, very I totally, I totally get that and it's comparing yeah. How many years? Who they studied with? Blah 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 blah. And Jimmy Corain, who's a great improviser and he does a great podcast, always said, "Um, I've taken some classes with him. You're enough. I am enough." And that anyway, I interrupted you. Please, no. <laughs> Thank you, because it's so validating. Um, because so one person that I met, um, is obviously Vanessa, who I've been friends with pre-pandemic um she's one of the leaders of an improv um organization here called Cornerstone Improv um and they are a a non-profit and they they run improv um classes and shows uh and and I really dig them I dig their structure um they I I learned about the I learned about scholarships from them before I really got into online improv where scholarships have been very helpful and meaningful. Um, so Vanessa Anton is, is big. Um, cause she, she comes from, she comes from the before times. Um, and then through her, I met David Escobedo. Um, <laughs> who's like <clears throat> one of, one of the people in my life who like, like okay i don't know how how life exists without having this person as a friend i don't i don't i don't see it <laughs> i can't imagine it i don't know what that would be like anymore um jay suko i met through doing online improv he was the coach for a team 
that I was on called Babysitter's Club Improv. And that's how I met Jay and really loved working with Jay as a coach, but also um, just as somebody who kind of knows their stuff. Um, he's very compassionate, uh, excellent listener, takes a lot of stuff and gives you this like really meaningful feedback. And this is for improv, but then also just for like, hey, Jay, I'm like a personal issue. Can I talk to you for a couple minutes? <laughs> same feedback. Like, I do the same thing. I say, I need some therapy today. Can I talk to you? <laughs> good friend. Good, good ear. He's got good listening ears. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. John Nguyen also. Yes. Um, yes. He's lovely massively good friend of mine so thoughtful and and giving um because of john Nguyen, um the the lgbtqia plus jam that i run um a couple of times monthly has a zoom home like because of him i have a zoom that i can use to run that um, and as somebody who does not have a lot of money, that is huge for me. Um, cause it's not just for me, it's for a community that I've been trying to build in. And, and this is, it's just indicative of like the type of people that I've met through this whole experience are these very giving, loving, genuine people and I was not having that experience outside of the pandemic with improv I would have it here and there but not like this no I I did a podcast with John several weeks ago and it was so delightful we did a fun scene and he's super duper I just adore him and I do all the names you said so far. Anybody else? Have you been dropping into any jams at all? Are you more into kind of doing your own shows or? I have dropped into a couple of jams. I am kind of um, wall to wall right now <laughs> with rehearsals and um, classes. I take, I just recently started taking class uh, with Liz Allen and. Oh yeah. And- yeah. She's wonderful. How, 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 like, I was like, I can't imagine learning improv and not taking class, not taking her perspective now. Like, and it's, what is so interesting about like a lot of the people that I've met doing improv, a lot of the people that I've taken classes from, especially, um, I just, I don't know how I was going to do improv without them. Like I could, but not the kind of improv that I'm enjoying myself doing right now. What is the kind of improv that you really like to do today? That's what I was uh, gonna ask. Oh, okay. Uh, long form. I love long form. Um, long form is one of those things where I just want to study it inside and out from every possible perspective, every possible influence um, to get better at it and to to know it better there is something so um 
I'm trying to think of what the word is. Like, I feel drawn in by long form improv um, to want to know it and just to kind of get swept up in it and and just do it, really. Um, I like emotionally driven, grounded, long form improv. Okay. I do too. So I know some of your friends and I've actually done some podcasts with, for example, Stephanie Ray. Yay! Hey, Stephanie, who's down here in Florida. And have you worked with Michelle at all, Gilliam? You know, I have not had the uh, honor yet, <laughs> the, the, the absolute pleasure of working with Michelle. Um, these, uh, what hap- But generally what happened is I am like, I feel like I kind of like sit on the periphery of like, like oh, these are, oh, these people are so cool. I want to be friends. I want to be friends with you. Okay. I'm going to, I don't want to, I don't want to like, I don't want to like overstep my bounds though. Maybe I'll wait until we both take the same class or maybe I'll go drop into their jam and start talking to them. And then, and then that'll be normal. Cause like, I'm not the type of, like, see these people on Facebook who are like, I'll friend this person and 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 this person. And there's someone I might know. And I'm just like, I can't do that. Like, I can't, I can't, like, I like to try to make genuine connections with people um, when I have like the headspace and the energy. So like, I am slowly making my way towards more people, more new people. So like Stephanie Ray is somebody who I just recently started like socializing with more. Like I know of her and I, I've watched a lot of her work and we did an improv boost takeover together. And, and it's just like, there's something about letting things develop with patience, I think in friendships for me, which is something that I really needed to learn. And this is one of those instances where it's that is kind of happening for me um and I feel safe because I think before I would be like gotta know all the people gotta make the connections so and then maybe someone will forget about me I don't know maybe uh, they don't, no they don't really want to be my friend and now it's just kind of like I'm just gonna take my time if people want to talk, talk to me I'll talk to them and if it works out it works out that's cool like <laughs> yeah that's great <laughs> that- that's more of a you are enough philosophy there. The other one is coming from yeah. scarcity. We've got scarcity and abundance. You're aware of that. Um, I wanted to ask you, okay, now, what would you like, who, who would you like to have, if you could pick six people for a dream team, improv dream team, any six people on the planet, who would they be? Oh, no. Uh, I'm just gonna pick improvisers because that's easier. Um, no, I'm, I'm than yeah, imp, imp, yeah. Uh, that, that that was part of the question. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I mean, like, um, you know, we could add we could add people from <laughs> from popular culture, but then we'd have to teach them improv. So I'm just kidding. yeah, we don't want to um, do that. That takes too much time. We're just. With the super team is is performing tonight. You're just assigning them. You're inviting them to play with oh, you. Tonight. And they're all gonna, they're gonna uh, all say yes. Fudge. Oh, that's so. Oh 
God. Okay. I don't know uh, my friend. <laughs> my friend Elizabeth. Uh, my friend Elizabeth uh, Softleaf, um, who does the What Even Is Time show with me. Uh, my friend John Union. Um, put let's put John in there. Uh, let's put. Oh my God, so much pressure. So my friend Carla, Carla Dangle. Yeah, oh there. yeah. Um, oh play. yeah. 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 I'm trying to think who would make the dirtiest jokes together. Uh, let's put David Escobedo in there. <laughs> I've seen David make some moves that make me laugh. Um, let's put Vanessa. Vanessa Anson. The five, oh my god, five things. Um, and then those six persons. Um, <laughs> my Roxy. My friend Roxy Yara. I'm sorry, who was that? I couldn't quite hear it. Roxy. Oh, okay. All right. Wonderful. Roxy, who just goes by Roxy. Okay. Haven't met her yet, but I'll I'll find her. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Oh my god. Oh, oh, you would love her. You would love her all right i need more people to love i need more people to love because sometimes this pandemic thing kind of gets me down you know it's like uh, that's why it's so much fun to do a podcast where i can meet so many great people and do my work as well from home so you know that's pretty cool as well so you are just delightful you know whenever i think (laughs) of san diego i think of um someone told me it's all happening at the are you too young to know that song? Oh my god. I might be. No, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is. Like I, that's that's it's not out of my scope of reference. I'll just say that. It's okay. I'll sing it now. <laughs> Someone tell me yeah. it's all happening at the zoo. <laughs> because and when I think San Diego, I think of the zoo for some reason. <laughs> the zoo is very famous. The zoo is the zoo is um it's a, it's a crown jewel of San Diego. Yeah. The crown, the jewel and the crown, the pandas and the crown. Now, do you, have you done some musical improv at all? Uh, I've done a little bit of musical improv. Musical improv was something that was really attractive to me when I started. I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. I want to do that. Um, and, and just, I just haven't done as much as, as I wanted to, I don't think. Um, but I'd like to, I like to make up songs. That's, that's the thing. I'm just not good at it. Like as a game. Oh, you don't know that yet. And if you like to sing, that's great. And it doesn't matter. It's just making things up. It's, I love musical improv. I really, really love it. And sometimes I practice my piano and I think, oh, I'm going to get this and I'll be able to do backgrounds. And then I'm, then my attention turns to something else and something else and something else. So that's the thing. Yeah. That's about being at home. There's like all these things to do somehow and to not, and not yeah. things that I'm supposed to be doing like taxes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I get frozen because like, I'm like, oh man, I have like three options right now. And I'll just like sit there for 20 minutes. Like, oh, I have like three options right now. Oh, that's so many options. And then I space out. <laughs> not do any of them exactly exactly 
Listen, I am so glad we had coffee together this morning. It was like coffee clutch. It was wonderful. And um, maybe we'll do a scene eventually. I would love to do that. So um, we're going to close this part of our interview. And um, uh, if you had anything to say to somebody who's maybe a little shy or maybe a little anxious and they're thinking about maybe trying an improv class, what would you tell them, Brenna? Um, Taking the first step is going to be the hardest step. It's going to be the hardest step because it is something new. Um, And something new is probably what you need. Thank you for those words of wisdom, Brenna Judkins. And it's been delightful speaking with you today. Take care, dear. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margot Escott.